Numbers chapter 22 verse 10. And Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. I was at a Christian concert a few years ago, really good band. They did a great show, and it was really cool. And the singer of this band, who's very famous, he said at one point in the concert that the inspiration for their many, many songs that are hits usually came from trials they were going through. So for every hit they produce, there's a story behind it. And likewise, much of the content in this podcast is based upon the Word, of course, but my personal experience with Jesus. And this episode is fresh off a back-to-the-woodshed moment with Jesus. So I was rebuked by the Lord today, and I quickly wrote this episode. In the crazy story of Balaam, who some refer to as the prophet for hire, and there's reasons for that, we see a person who hears from God directly and is known for it. The king who summoned Balaam, his name is Balak, he sees the nation of Israel approaching his kingdom from Egypt, and he understands that they want to conquer his land, which God had given to Israel through the covenant through Abraham. And he also saw what the Israelites had done to the neighboring people, the Amorites. They wiped them out. So in desperation, he calls upon Balaam to curse Israel, promising to give Balaam, quote-unquote, great honor if he will successfully curse Israel and save the king's people, the Moabites. So Balaam calls upon the Lord, and God tells him, you're not going to curse Israel. And the Lord adds that Balaam will also not go with the people sent by the king. So what happens? Balaam tells the people sent by the king to go home. No deal. So in time, leaders more noble return to Balaam from the king to sweeten the pot. And Balaam tells them no. But instead of sending them off, he invites them to stay so he can ask God if anything has changed, which is typical of people's response to God. Yeah, hey God, you told me this, but I just want to make sure that nothing's changed because, you know, I really want to do this. Are you sure you really meant what you said? Because, yeah, you know, I could see this really working out well for me. So God says no again, but he allows Balaam to go with him. Why? Well, apparently, this is what Balaam really wanted, and God gave him over to what he wanted. It's like in Romans chapter 1, you read through that. God gives us over to wickedness, and he's finally like, okay, do what you want to do, man. But something weird happens to Balaam while traveling to Moab. He's on his donkey, and God appears to the donkey in the character of the Old Testament named the angel of the Lord. It's a physical manifestation of God in a human body that many people encounter in the Old Testament. So the donkey sees him, but Balaam doesn't. Numbers 22, verse 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now, he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. So God was now angry with Balaam, and he wanted to kill him. Why? Probably because on the way to Moab, Balaam is probably pondering in his mind all the stuff he's going to get because he's going to be rewarded by a powerful king, and that's consuming his mind not the things of God. All the stuff, money, maybe a few servants, maybe some animals, things commonly given to those who find favor with the rich. 2 Peter 2.15, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. So Balaam is in a bad spot. Verse 23, and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field, and Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. 
And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. So the donkey can see the angel of the Lord, but Balaam can't. And the donkey tries to maneuver out of the way because of fear, but Balaam thinks she's just a dumb, stubborn beast that needs to be corrected, and it turns out he was the one who was dumb and stubborn and needed correction. So the angel of the Lord caused the donkey to speak in a voice understandable to Balaam. And if you can get past Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we should be able to believe that God can make a donkey speak. The crazy thing is Balaam starts arguing with this donkey. He doesn't sit back and go, uh, this donkey's talking to me. Instead, he's having a fight with her. Verse 31, then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. So God tunes Balaam up. And we forget about this side of God sometimes. God's loving, kind, merciful, but God's a warrior, the Bible says, and we need to be careful balancing that. God is not this mean God up in heaven who's sitting there with lightning bolts ready to strike anyone who makes him mad. That's actually Zeus that does that. Verse 34, then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. In other words, yeah, I shouldn't have desired to go. I'll turn back if you want me to, God. I don't want you to kill me. He realized now I should have never went with these guys because God had told him clearly the first time not to. Now, the story of Balaam continues, and he shows his true colors as he helps the king sabotage Israel's relationship with God. And this is what is known as the story of Baal of Peor, if you ever hear that. It's interesting to read. You can continue here in the story and read through, and you'll figure that one out. Now, my story, which I am currently in the midst of, is this. My attitude has slipped lately, and I've been looking at my own interests while disregarding spending time in the Word that I am called to do, and I blew off a couple of meetings because I didn't want to go. And quite frankly, I didn't need to be there, so I'm like, eh, I'm not going. You know, I just had a really bad attitude towards these, and I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong because God always blesses me or someone else at these types of meetings. And I had an awesome day a couple of days ago where I was able to really bless two people on separate occasions, and I knew God was in it, and I was on a spiritual high. I'm like, yes, God, you're so good. So the last couple of days, I'm just kind of throttling back. I didn't spend time in the Word yesterday or this morning, which is not normal. I normally do that. I usually hit it first thing in the morning. Add to that, I'm currently doing a remodel on my bathroom. Yesterday, when I blew off these meetings, I woke up and my foot felt like it was broken. The pain was absolutely insane. And despite having a pretty high pain tolerance, I couldn't walk. My foot felt like it was crushed. So the day was kind of miserable. And today when I went to the doctor, they diagnosed me with gout, which I've never had in my life. I'm old and I'm healthy and I'm fit. I don't eat a lot of garbage. So now I'm beginning to think, is this you, Lord? And the reason I suspect this is because the Lord will sometimes use things to get my attention personally that cause a lot of physical pain. One example was when I was really fighting off the wickedness in my heart. I asked the Lord, please change my heart. And then I dropped a sheet of particle board on my leg when I was wearing shorts and it severed a big chunk of flesh from my shin. And would you believe it? My heart changed instantly and the battle subsided. I'm like, whoa, even though I'm sitting there bleeding in the parking lot of the hardware store, I'm like, okay, this hurts really bad, but you know, the battle's gone. Fast forward about a year, same issue, struggling with it again. I'm praying, Lord, please change my heart. And I get hit by a car on my mountain bike. And the only injury I sustained was losing a big chunk of flesh, the same size in the exact same 
place. Like, okay, I get that one. And it messed up my bike pretty bad too, which irritated me. And again, the issue went away. And so now when I had these issues, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going there. And I have more stories, including my table saw and the tip of my finger that I won't get into. So with this in mind and knowing this is the way that God sometimes deals with me personally, not saying he does it with everybody, but he reminded me with a question, whose team are you on? And I realized, you know what? I haven't even spent time with the Lord today. So today I go in, open up my one-year Bible, which I read and highly recommend for everyone. It's a good way to discipline yourself to read every day. And guess where it lands? The story of Balaam and the donkey crushing his foot as I'm sitting there wincing and moaning and whining about my foot that feels like somebody dropped a 50-pound plate on it, I once again realized, okay, it's an attention getter. And I apologize to the Lord and ask for forgiveness because I realized looking back on this last week, I'm like, I haven't been in the right place. And what was crazy is as I was sitting there praying, the pain in my foot decreased about 50% right away, just kind of drained away. And the remaining 50%, I'm sure, is still here to keep me thinking about it. So while I don't believe every accident is caused by a hard heart towards God, for me personally, it's pretty consistent. And in these times of trials, we must go back to the Word for wisdom, back to prayer, back to humility, which, by the way, one of the meetings that I missed, they were going to do a study on humility. I'm like, great. So I got my study on humility. Hebrews 12, 6, For the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He chastens every son whom He receives. What's interesting about that word discipline is Luke uses the same Greek word to describe Pontius Pilate's initial punishment of Jesus, which was a scourging in Luke 23, 13. That punishment was a Roman scourging that killed many of its victims, just the scourging alone. And Jesus also uses this word in Revelation 3.19, to those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And yeah, that caused me today to be zealous and repent. So while we shouldn't think of God as one who's going to scourge us every time he rebukes us, and while God is merciful and amazing, I can go on for hours of how great he is, he's still God, and he knows precisely how to remind me, because I claim to serve him, he reminds me of his expectations that I stay between his parameters. And when we are disciplined by God, his arms are open wide at the point where we yield and spiritually reset our hearts and our minds on things above. Thank you.